That was outstanding. Thank you very much. That's excellent. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, it is a wonderful Sunday morning. You've given us another day of life and an opportunity. And Father, we've chosen to be here today, and you've allowed us to and brought us to this, this moment. And Sunday mornings and worship are so important to us, and so we're here. And, and yet inside of Sunday morning and worship, even a, a greater importance is placed upon your word and specifically the, the preaching of it. So, Father, we pray that today would not be a waste, it wouldn't be in vain, but, but it would be an, an absolute power, a, a, a heat-seeking missile, a, a, a sharped, two-edged, sharpened sword that is coming right at our hearts, our consciences, our, our souls to convict us of our sins and apply the, the great truth of your word and build us up as those that believe, that we would be those who are believers in your Son, Jesus as Lord and Savior, as King and Master, as God Almighty, God in the flesh, the God-man, the Son of God, as the One. And Father, we pray that today you would make that happen in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have the Bible, please turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to continue right along in our series here in the Gospel of Mark. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We're going to use the pew, you can use the Pew Bible there. It is page uh, 922, 922, Mark chapter 4. Let me begin by saying it is seriously so good to be back. Um, like most times leaving, it's great to leave. You're excited about leaving, you can't wait to go do it. But somewhere in the middle of your trip or your vacation or whatever you're on, you think, I'm ready to be back, and that, that was the case with me, and I'm absolutely so happy to be back. I'm, I'm energized, I'm excited, I'm rested, um, and I'm happy to be back. I, I thank God that, that, that you and I have such a, a relationship where uh, I, I feel that you all love me and my family, uh, and, and I think that you all feel that we love you, and I mean that so sincerely. There, there's nowhere else I'd rather be right now. I'm so happy to be back. My family is happy to be back. It was a great trip. Thank you all for letting us go, helping us go, supporting us to go, uh, desiring for us to go. You're going to hear more about it in the coming days, um, but we are happy to be back with Fairdale, summer ending, and back with our church, which this is, this is truly our church, our place, our, our family, and it's good, good to be back here. I can't I can't say that enough, and that's not in my notes. That's in my heart, and I mean that with all sincerity. We were, we were in Ecuador, and our kids are soaking it up. I, I think it's so awesome to take your children on a mission trip and to watch them serve and to see them take it all in. Uh, these trips are outstanding blessings from the Lord. Um, and I had somebody come to me who was bilingual, spoke English and Spanish, and they, they said this is... Your, your little daughter here, Carolina, is cracking us up. We, we got to tell you what she said. They uh, were talking to Carolina, and Carolina said that our, our mom's from Ecuador. You know, that's pretty cool to, to travel out of the country to somewhere else and be able to say that's where my mom's from. So she, Carolina is telling people, hey, my, my mom's Ecuadorian. My mom's from Ecuador. And they were like, oh, yeah, that, that's really cool. And then Carolina says, but we have no idea where our dad came from. And if you think about it, you probably haven't taught your three-year-olds either where you're from. 
right? They've never had the conversation of my mom's from USA or my dad's from USA. You've never had that conversation. Uh, and so we got a good laugh out of, out of that. Um, had, a, had a great time. Glad to be back. And really glad to worship with you. I've been in worship the past two weeks, Spanish-led, and I know enough to sing Spanish songs, and I enjoyed that. Um, And I've been to conferences in other churches where the worship is perhaps bigger and louder and more more whatever, Um, but there's really something special when you get to worship with, with your people. I know you all. I know the heart you're singing from. Um... And it's good to hear each other sing. I'm excited about that, and I'm happy and humbled about that. And I'm also very, very eager to open God's Word and preach. I know, I've already heard many times that Jake did, has done, and, and, and always does a, an outstanding job preaching. I'm thankful for you, Jake. Jake, you know now, is, is officially an ordained minister and... Um, did great. I was able to listen to both of his sermons through our church website. They were outstanding. Uh, but I'm ready to be back preaching to you all and you all hearing and learning uh, from God through me. So let's look here at Mark chapter 4, verse 21. Jake preached last week all the way to verse 20, this great parable of the sower and then the, the parable explained from Jesus. You have both of those. This is that big, awesome parable where Jesus is getting us to think about how we are hearing and receiving the Word of God. That that your heart is literally like a ground in which the Word of God comes into you. He gives four examples, three are bad. Only 25% of his parable was directed to somebody who actually hears the Word of God and receives it well, which should very much so alarm us. Well, then today, at verse 21, he shifts, or at least it seems he shifts. But I want you to know that this is not a shifting away of total context. I I read some commentaries about this, and they think Jesus has just shifted to a different subject. But I I think no. I think Jesus is still building on what Jake preached on. I think Jesus is still talking about the parable of the sower. So let's read just a few verses. Mark 4, 21 to 25. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not... Even what he has will be taken away. Now, when you first read this, and you hear Jesus in his very first statement here, talking about a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, I know, if you're like me, your mind went first to the light of the world conversation that is very common in Scripture. You've heard that. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, verse 14, you are the light of the world. That's when he goes into a city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one takes a lamp and does, and does all that. That's in Matthew 5, and you're familiar with that. Jesus says that we, believers, are the light of the world. We are to be the, the goodness of God. the truth of God shining in the world, right? 
And so when you read this, and he's saying some of the same things that, that he says there in Matthew 5, you're thinking that that's what this is about. But I, I'm, I'm wanting you to hear today that, that I'm, I'm not thinking that that's what this is about. I think he's building on this parable of the sower. So if he's not talking about us shining as the light of the world, then what is he talking about? Well, remember that ver- chapter 4 up until this point, 1 through 20, has been a parable about the hearing the hearing of the Word of God, the importance of hearing the Word of God, and then what you do with it. How do you receive it? Do you listen? Do you get it? Does it go in one ear and out the other? Do you leave and go to lunch and you already forget what the preacher talked about? Or does it come in, take root, does it grow, and does it work itself in you, and then does it produce fruit? This is what that parable is about. They didn't understand it when he talked about the four soils, so then he had to explain it in verses 10 through 20, but it's the same thing. So we get to verse 21, he says, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? In other words, he's asking, what's the purpose of light? Well, what do you get a lamp for? If you've gone shopping recently because you need a new lamp in the house and you, you found a very nice one and you, you, you bought this lamp and you brought it home, you said, okay, well, we, I love the lamp, so where are we going to put it? You might have looked around, maybe this corner, maybe this table, maybe here, maybe there, and you had some options of where you were going to put it, but you also had a many options of where you weren't going to put it. You never even considered just sticking it in the closet, and you never considered putting it under the bed. Nobody would take a lamp and, and use it for that reason. So Jesus is getting at that the, that the Word of God, the preached, spoken, taught, the proclaimed Word of God has a purpose. And that's the first point that I want to make today of two points. The purpose of the Word of God. The second point will be the priority in you of the Word of God. The purpose of the Word of God and the priority of the Word of God. This is the point that Jesus is making. That the Word of God delivered, the Word of God explained, the Word of God being sent out has a purpose. Like a lamp has a purpose, the Word of God does. It it has a purpose. It, It ought to be used. You ought to be doing something with it. Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? No. The answer is no. Does the Word of God, does the word of God uh, pr- is, is it preached so that you can just sit here and say, well, hey, I went to church today and leave and it not do something to you? No. The Word of God preached has a purpose. And we need to understand that. He goes on in verse 22 and says, Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. In other words, this message of the Word of God, this purposeful Word of God, has the purpose to bring to you the secret, to bring to you the understanding, to bring to you the light, to bring to you that which you need to know. There's a purpose behind it. And so we begin asking, what is it? And I know that many of you already do know what the purpose of the Word of God is, but I want, to, I want to get further into it. The purpose of the Word of God is to explain God to us. There is no other place and there is no better place for you to understand God than in His revealed Word. This is God speaking to us what God is. This is God speaking to us what God wants us to know, Right? You ever sat down with somebody and said, well, just tell me a little bit about yourself? That's a neat position for you to put them in because they can build themselves up or they can tell you really anything they want to tell you about themselves. It's kind of neat. And so God has done that. He has written a book 
out of his own mouth through the hands of men to tell us what he wants us to know. It's rather long, 66 books, double column, very thick. Most people don't read it all. It's loaded. And this is God explaining to us himself. Well, in understanding God, there is almost immediately a desiring in you to, hey, I need him. I need to get right with him. I, I, I need his love. I want him. As soon as one truly begins to hunger and, and, and desire God, they, they start to realize, I need him. I need his work in me. I need, I need forgiveness. I need to get right, that type of thing. And so God revealing himself then takes it a step further in revealing not only God to us, but how God has done something so we can know him. And that is the story of Jesus. That is the gospel. That's, that's Jesus coming, living, never sinning, teaching, dying on the cross. Why did he die? He died for our sins. He was punished. He was crucified. The wrath of God upon him. He was killed. He was put into the grave. He stayed there three days. Three days later, he came back. He reigns. He's alive. Death, sin, devil can't stop him. He is God undefeatable. He is God unstoppable. And, and that's Jesus. He ascended up into heaven. He is the the king of heaven now he sits on his throne God did all of this because he loves us and God is asking you to turn to him away from your sins and become a child of God this is the purpose of the word of God and if that is truly the purpose of the word of God then it ought to be a huge priority to us not be one of our priorities it might it ought to be the priority to us so that we get to the Word of God on a regular basis. So that we are committed to hearing the Word of God on a regular, consistent basis. This is the purpose of the Word of God. Paul tells Timothy this in his mentorship like this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul, the, the, the preacher, is teaching Timothy, the minister. Paul, the apostle, is teaching young Timothy that the Word of God is able to do all of these things. It's able to teach somebody, reprove somebody, correct somebody, train somebody. It makes you complete. Do we desire to be complete adults? Do you desire to be a, a complete, full, well-rounded man or woman, husband or wife? Do you desire to be a better father or mother? The Word of God is the key to making you that. Neglecting it is the key for you not being complete. Desiring it and growing in it is the, is the key to making you complete. The purpose of the Word of God. The purpose of the Word of God, again, is, in short, is to explain God to us, and in explaining God to us, explaining how we can be right with God. His love for us through Jesus. This is something that the church knows. This is why we're so committed to scriptures. This is why we began our service with a call to worship today from Isaiah 26. This is why in the middle of our service, in the middle of all the songs that we're singing, we stop for just a few minutes, we have somebody come up, we read another passage of scripture. This is why after we've done that, we've taken the offering and we've sung, we've done the fellowship, we've done all that, we come back to this. That's why you hear me pray. Some of y'all may be wondering, why does he always pray that? That's why you hear me pray that this is the most important part of our day, of our week. This is it. We're going to hear the preached word of God. This is why a whole group of us were gathered here early this morning before some of y'all were even awake, praying that God would work here. 
because the word of God is what God wants us to be committed to. It's our understanding of God. And I want you to see that this is right. This is true. And turn with me to Mark chapter 1, just a few pages back. The very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, John the Baptist come. Look what verse 4 says he was doing. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness. This is, John, this is Mark chapter 1, verse 4. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Does everybody see that? John the Baptist came proclaiming the word of God. That's what John the Baptist did. The weirdo that he was. Didn't dress right, didn't look right, didn't eat right, didn't act right. <coughs> this is what he did. He proclaimed the word of God. Jump down to verses 15. And, yeah, verse 15. Four, sorry, 15, 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came. Let's see what Jesus did. Proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, John, who's not God, came proclaiming the word of God. Jesus, who is God and the Savior, the one who's about to fulfill all of the word of God, came proclaiming the word of God. Go on a few more chapters. Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. <coughs> now we get to the 12 apostles something totally different not a prophet in John the Baptist not Jesus the God Savior himself but just 12 ordinary men called by God verse 14 and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach does everybody see that? No matter where you go, I mean, I did this rather quickly in just a few verses. No matter where you go in the scripture, you must recognize a commitment to telling the word of God. This ought to be a little litmus test. It ought to be a, a plumb line for you as a believer and for, for us as a church, for me as a pastor. We have a lot of things that we need to be doing. I pray that we are laboring to do those things well. There are a lot of responsibilities on you as a, as a, as a believer in Christ, committed to his word, and, and, and a faithful church member here. But at the, at the very, very core of that is that we are to be a people who understand the purpose of the word of God, and we are living for the purpose of the word of God. We are to be communicating, both from this pulpit, both from the church's activities, both in, 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 in your personal lives, in your home, in your jobs, on your streets, in your families, in your relationships, you are to be communicating the truth of the Word of God. This is how God is explained, and this is how the way to get right with God is explained, and that is so crystal clear in Scripture. We were up at the ball field a few weeks ago, and uh, just natural conversation on the bleachers or something like that. Somebody asked me what I did. And sometimes that's exciting to be asked that, and sometimes that's nervous to be asked that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. I said, okay, cool. And they started telling me about their church. They didn't say a whole lot. They started telling me about their church. They just said a few things, you know, like I go to church. And I said, well, uh, what church is that? Because I know a lot of churches, know a lot of pastors, so what church is that? And they said, oh. You know, it, it just slipped my mind. I can't remember what 
I can't remember what the name of it is. I said, oh, well, where is it? And they said, I'm, I might know what it is. Just tell me where it is. And they're like, um, and they couldn't come up with the name or the location of their church. And that was kind of humorous to me. Of course, I just let it, let it go and started talking about something else. But I got to thinking about how, you know, bad that is. But then I got to thinking about, well, life's not really about church. Life's about our understanding the Word of God. It's about Jesus. And then I did start feeling bad. Because me and my family, perhaps like you and your family, often do neglect the Word of God. There are probably Bibles in your house that sit on the shelf that really have never been opened. Probably many a conversations that could have happened with your wife or your children that really should have been centered on the Word of God and never were. And so while it's embarrassing in the bleachers to say you go to church but not know the name or location, it's really more embarrassing for us to say that we're Christians who believe the Word of God, but we don't know what it says. And so we're really in trouble. And our lives are in trouble, and our obedience is in trouble, and perhaps our community and world is in trouble because those who say they are believers of the Word of God are simply sayers that they're believers in the Word of God and not really believers in the Word of God. We need to be those who understand the grand purpose of the Word of God and therefore have an unreal commitment to it. That it would really be to us our sustenance. And it is my prayer as a church that we would be those who love the Word of God and labor to know it. I want to read to you a quote from the Archbishop Grendel when he wrote a letter several hundred years ago to Queen Elizabeth. He says, Public and continual preaching of God's Word is the ordinary means and instrument of the salvation of mankind. Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation of man unto God. By preaching of God's word, the glory of God is enlarged. Listen to this. Faith is nourished and charity increased. By it, the ignorant is instructed, the negligent exhorted and invited, the stubborn is rebuked, the weak conscience is comforted, and to all those that sin of malicious wickedness, the wrath of God is threatened. By preaching... Due obedience to Christian princes and magistrates is planted in the hearts of subjects. For obedience, listen to this, proceeds from conscience. And conscience is grounded upon the word of God. No wonder people don't think there's anything wrong with anything that they do because they have no idea what is true. They don't know what the word of God says. And if the word of God is not in your soul and in your heart and in your conscience, then you don't know if you have a guilty conscience. No wonder people are living without a guilty conscience because they don't have anything to weigh upon their conscience, like the truth of the Word of God. And he's writing this a long time ago. The Word of God works his effect by preaching. So as generally, when preaching wanteth, obedience faileth. May we be a people that understand this. And we want to know the Word of God. 
We want our work ethics to be fueled by what God says. We want our dealings in relationships, for as awful as relationships may be, both friendships and, 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 and intimate relationships, we, it's the struggle that those are, we want those to be fueled and dealt with according to what God says. We want our happiness and our efforts for peace and our loving our neighbor to be fueled by what God says. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses. It's long. But it's all about the Word of God. I want to read to you two little sections. This is beginning in verse 9. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Oh, that we would be a church and a people, that you would be a family like that. I'm turning over now to verse 97 in Psalm 119. It says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from evil, from every evil way, in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. We have here in Psalm 119, great example of somebody who loves the Word of God. And they have oriented their life around it. Indeed, our marriages will be more accurately pictures of Jesus when we know and live out and believe the Word of God. Indeed, our communities will. The Word of God is what God has given us that we would understand God and life. May you, as a believer, as a churchgoer, be one who has a great commitment to the Word of God. This is what Jesus is saying in Mark 4 when he has just talked about the parable of the sower. He's making sure you understand, I need to hear the Word of God. And so, in making sure you understand you need to hear the Word of God, I now move into my second point, which is the priority of the Word of God. And I don't want to make the point of the priority of the Word of God in, in the world or, or in certain settings. I want to make the point of the priority of the Word of God in your life. That it is your priority. This is what Jesus is getting at in verse 23 when he says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's asking you, do you believe this? And do you hear the Word of God? And, and are you saying, I love to hear the Word of God, so give me more of the Word of God. 
Does your heart say, man, I believe the word of God, and so I want to grow in my belief in the word of God? Does your, does your heart say, I, I know that this is indeed God's word, God Almighty, my maker has spoken? And have you said, I, I want that? Is this a priority to you? I've known many a people, listen to me, who had a loved one die, and on their phone was a recent voicemail from that loved one. And they have saved on their phone a voicemail, sometimes even something is, hey there, buddy, just want you to know that Papa loves you. Love you a lot. You're my man. Talk to you later. Something as simple as that. But they've got that saved on there because they've passed away. And you know why they've saved it? Because it means so much to them, and they're never going to hear him say that again. And so that word spoken, that, that message, that, that voice means so much to them. Well, my dad and my grandpa mean so much to me too. My dad actually called this weekend saying that they might be coming up this week, and I'm thrilled hoping that they do. But my Father in heaven also means so much to me. And he has spoken and he speaks here. What a, what a shameful, embarrassing joke I am to say, yeah, that, that's my Father in heaven, but I never want to hear him. May we be committed to the word of God. May we have a high priority of hearing the word of God. Jesus asked, do you have ears to hear? Then hear. Meaning some people don't. This was his purpose in, 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 in the whole light talk and, and it being hidden and that it's a secret that needs, <clears throat> that needs to be explained. But he's meaning that there are some people that want to hear it. Some of you are tired and said, no, I want to be at church. Some of you have got things to hurry up and get to today, but said, no, I want to hear it. I want to hear the word of God. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is asking us to be that. Be those with ears to hear. Be those who hear. Then he goes on in verse 24, and he says the great clear statement. Pay attention to what you hear. This is where the church has got to be warned. You need to be reminded that God is not telling you that you're going to be saved by works. God is not telling you that you're going to be saved by your efforts. God's not going to be saved. You're not going to be saved by your good intentions. None of those things. You are going to be saved, forgiven of your sins, and entering into, he, into heaven based off if you have believed the word of God. That's it. You are saved by faith alone. Faith alone. God is not going to ask you, what have you done for me? God's not going to say, well, how many people did you take to church? Or how much money did you give? God is going to check your heart on if your heart deep down in your core believes, clings, says, this is true. These are the answers. This is what my life is longing for. And do you believe this? So he says, pay attention to what you hear. Some of y'all know the horoscope every single day. You know the month and the horoscope of every single day. You know the advice that comes from that, and you don't know what God has said. Some of y'all watch Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz and every other doctor that's got the good advice out there. But you don't know what God has said. This is troubling. The word of God to you is not really a priority. Church may be a priority. Or, or doing something in the name of God may be a priority. But the word of God is to be our priority. J.I. Packer, who's one of our heroes, turned 90 years old this week, still alive, has said, 
that our desire for God is directly proportional with our desire for His Word. Our desire for God is directly proportional with our desire for His Word. Perhaps the, the true measure of somebody really is focused on the Lord Jesus is their commitment to hearing what the Lord Jesus has said, not what they can do for Jesus. Sometimes I think that many of you would rather come Monday through Friday and help us do things than you would rather just be here. I get concerned about somebody who's sick one Sunday and nursery next Sunday and, 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 and cooking the next Sunday and then vacation the next Sunday. They're, they're pretty committed to church and they, they cooked one Sunday and then they, they did nursery one Sunday so they were here two out of the four. But in all of that they didn't hear the word any. And, and what I'm seeing from Jesus is that your commitment to the word is the measure of whether you're longing for God. The priority of hearing. He says pay attention to what you hear. Well what have you heard? What have you heard? And just like it was embarrassing on the, the bleachers that day when they didn't know their church, it is also so embarrassing when those who know this don't know this. Those who say that they know God and that the Bible is the truth. I've often made the joke that around here you see a lot of people with signs in their yard that say, keep the Ten Commandments. And I, I think it's humorous. That the people with the sign about the Ten Commandments in their yard don't know the Ten Commandments. Uh, you, would, you would do well to say, I'm going to hide the sign for a second. What are the Ten Commandments? They wouldn't know them. Maybe they would. But most likely they wouldn't. We've somehow become a people who are about God in so many ways except the main thing that God tells us to be about. Be about his word. Now, let me show you how this is so matter-of-factly true. And I'm going to go back to what Jake preached on. In verses 1 through 9 of the chapter, you remember he tells the story, the parable of the four soils. And the seed that is spread is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And he gives an example of four different grounds. Three that did not receive the, the, the seed well. And, and one that did. Well, they had some questions about it. So let's go back now to verse 10. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying, you guys know the truth. That's the secret, the word of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Then let's jump down to verse 13. He said to them, do you not understand? And then, how then will you understand all the parables? So now he's going to explain it. And I want you to see the emphasis on what you do with the Word of God. Not church, not your efforts, not your serving, what you do with the Word of God. Not your loving your neighbor, what you do with the Word of God. Not your community service hours, not how many young people you've helped, none of that. What you do with the Word of God. Look here, verse 13. 14, sorry. The sower sows the Word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word. Do you see that? What has Satan done to ruin somebody's life? Not bring a trial. He has taken away the word of God in that trial. Not made them sick. He has taken away the word of God. Not made them wealthy. He's taken away the word of God. You can be sick, you can be in a trial, you can be wealthy, you can be pretty, you can be ugly, you can have children, you can not have children. You can have every single scenario that the world can imagine. Without the word of God, you will die. With the word of God, you will persist. 
Notice that Satan takes away the word. Satan's not trying to make your life better or worse. Satan's trying to make your life, whatever it is, without the truth, the life-giving truth, the foundation of God, the word of God. God doesn't care whether we're rich or poor. We'll be okay either way. God wants us to have our lives built on the rock-solid foundation, which is the truth of the Word of God. It ought to be a huge priority to us. Satan, when Satan comes to your home, believe me, he knows where 404 Chieftain Drive is. He knows that me and Val with five kids are often frustrated. He knows that times are tough. He knows all of that type of stuff. But the way he's going to kill us is by getting me to doubt the Word of God, getting me to neglect the Word of God, getting me to try to be a husband not based off the Word of God, getting me to be a father not based off the word of God getting me to look around and see how all the people without the word of God are doing life and say I want to try to do life the way people without the word of God are doing life and in doing that the word of God is taken away from me and I begin to ruin I begin to ruin and everything underneath me does as well but that's just the beginning verse 16 these are the ones sown on rocky ground the ones who when they hear the word notice what are you listening to he's asking when they hear the word verse 17 they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Notice, the, the, the tribulation, the persecutions, the difficulties, the, the, hard, the hard stuff, the burdens, those are based upon the word of God. If it's not based on the word of God, we'll be okay. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. Those are those, they are those who hear the word. But cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things enter in and do what? Choke the word. Do you see that? Jesus is saying that the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for things interfere with the word in your life. This is absolutely profound. You didn't know this. You need to see that too many lake trips that get you out of church, too many, I'm all for lake trips, and I'd love for somebody to invite us to the lake, but too many lake trips... Too many lake trips that get you out of church too many times is the devil choking the word out. And the next time your kids act up, you're not a great loving father that disciplines in love. Right? And the next time your neighbor's rude to you, you're ready to bust them. No. God says that the word is choked out of our lives. The next thing you know, we are trying, trying, trying to live without this foundation of the word of God. Oh, how foolish that is. Verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones, listen, that hear the word of God and accept. And so he says in verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. It means the world to me when you miss church for good reasons and tell me, but I listen to your sermon. Because you're aware that it's trying to be choked out. You're aware that the absence from it is so dangerous and so you want the word to be fueling you J.C. Ryle one of my favorite commentators says the man who makes rapid progress in spiritual attainments who grows visibly in grace and knowledge and strength and usefulness 
will always be found to be a diligent man. He leaves no stone unturned to promote his soul's well-doing. He is diligent as a hearer of sermons, diligent in his attendance to take the Lord's Supper. He reaps according as he sows. Just as the muscles of the body are strengthened by regular exercise, so are the graces of the soul increased by diligence in using them. May we be those who say the word of God has a purpose and so it is my priority. I want to hear the word of God. Jesus says pay attention to what you hear. Then, let's end in our passage, he gives this great warning. He says with the measure you use it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. Look at verse 25. For to the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What a great warning. It really a scary thought. That for those of you who believe the Word of God, hear the Word of God, treasure the Word of God, then God grows that. Again, this is what the, sow, the, the parable of the sower is about. But for those of us who don't, we don't really believe it, we don't really want it, we don't really hear it, we get further and further away from it. Again, this is something that Jesus teaches through and through. There is no plateauing, there is no middle ground, there is no pausing of our spiritual lives. We're either growing in grace closer to Jesus, or we are going further away from him. That's what this is. When you base it off of what is your commitment to the word of God and hearing it, that makes good sense. When you base it off of how well you're living, then it gets blurry. But I'm telling you, the Bible never wants you to gauge things off of how well you're living. I know that's what you do. I talk to the young people all the time, and they always gauge their spiritual lives off of how well they're living, right? Actually, they gauge their spiritual lives of how they're doing with their boyfriend or girlfriend sexually. That's how they gauge it. That's not how you're supposed to gauge it. You gauge it based off your commitment to the Word of God. Do you have ears to hear? Are you hearing the Word of God? Are you committed to it? Is it working in you? Or is it just being choked out? It's basically gone from you. It has no binding on you. Your conscience isn't being fed by it. You don't have any desire for obedience. You don't have any guilt over disobedience. You don't care. This is a problem. It is to be a huge priority to us. There's a song written by John Newton. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but it's a good one. It's called, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds in a Believer's Ear. And I love this song. It's really short. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. Oh, it's good. I want to read to you just a few lyrics. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away all fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the heart's unrest. It's manna to the hungry soul and weary to the, and to the weary rest. Dear name, the rock on which I build, my shield and hiding place, my never-failing treasury Filled with boundless stores of grace. And I pray to you, or I pray to God, that you would have that priority that the name of Jesus, according to the word of God, is truly your lifeline. It is the fuel for your daily effort. It is the enlightening of your understanding. One of the places that we go in Ecuador, and I end with this story, it's called a patug. 
it's the worst place that we go when we're there. There's a little church there named Rumi Sira, I think. Can't remember the name of it. We started going there several years ago. We've now been there four times. Really neat. It's the poorest community that we go to there. It's way up in the mountains. It's the coldest place that we go. Very, very cold. Very, very poor uh, agricultural community. So much so that we went there on a Wednesday night this week. They didn't really start worship till 9 p.m. Because everybody works until the sun is down. And then they try to get to church. Their Wednesday night service ended at 11. All of my kids were asleep laying down in the pews. That's how late it was. So different. They do it even though they're tired because they're committed to the word of God. It's one of my favorite places to go. The roads are so terrible getting there that the the bus can't go. Sometimes you can get in like a little van or a taxi and make it through just the bumps and rocks and all of that to get there. A lot of times you just end up walking about a half mile to end up getting to the church. The pastor there, his name is Angel, Angel, Pastor Angel, super guy, about 30 years old. I've prayed for him a lot, and I've talked to him many times, and I don't have a lot to teach him. I'm only 36, but I have asked, did he have any questions or anything like that? We've had some good conversations. The church, though, isn't that old. About 10 years old is the church. When the missionaries came there and preached the gospel and, and God saved them, and so they started a church, uh, the women started like a ladies' choir type of thing. They wear their, their traditional gear, ponchos and wraps and all that, and, and they sing songs about Jesus. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite things to see. I, I don't know what they're saying. They're speaking not even Spanish. They're speaking a, an Indian language called Quechua. They're singing about Jesus. They'll translate for us. Somebody will. But when they came to Jesus and got saved, the community was really upset about it. They didn't need a church there. They didn't need any Christ followers there. So they told them that they're not going to start a church. We can't stop God's people from worshiping God. You just can't. You can kill them, but then more will keep coming. They tried to stop these ladies from worshiping. So one time while they were worshiping, some people from the community, these are people we know, came in, captured them up. I think it was 12 of them. Captured them up. I told you it's cold there. Took them up on the hill, stripped them all bare naked, and took cold water and just sprayed them down out in the cold. Naked, naked laid them there, sprayed them down. These are men and women of the community doing this to these 12 ladies in Apatu, women that we know. Well, they survived it, made it back, got dressed. They were scared. They didn't know what this meant. But they, kept, they kept doing church. I don't know what happened to many of them, but one of the men that we know in the church of Apatu was one of the men that did that to them. So he's telling me, through a translator of the story he says we were so hateful to them we were so evil to them but it did not hinder them or stop them any 
the very next Sunday, they were back doing what we stopped them from doing. And I thought to myself, what's feeding this? I thought to myself, what, what's driving, what's fueling them to be this committed? So I went to their church, and I heard the word preached, and Jesus changed my life too. That's one of the places that we go and work. I've preached at that church a few times. This year, Gordon preached at that church in Apatuk, in Ecuador, way up in the mountains. I hope you've come to know that the Word of God is God's way of explaining Himself and it's God's way of letting you know how to get right with Him. What He's done through Jesus to save you from your sins and fill you up with His love. And if that has happened, may you hear Jesus' message that it ought to be a top priority of yours. Remember the words of Jesus there in verse 23. Pay attention to what you hear. In other words, don't neglect it. Don't neglect the teaching of the Word of God. Hear it, hear it, hear it. And may we be faithful to Jesus as he's faithful to us because of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the great example that we have in Apatug of prioritizing your word. And God, thank you for Jesus' preaching here on the purpose of the word of God and the priority of it. Father, we pray now that you would work that in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.